Thanks. Okay, um, two stories to kind of start us off as you're getting your outline. Um, first story, I want you guys to rejoice with me because my brother-in-law came home today. Some of you are like, what is, okay, yeah. Um, okay, so my brother-in-law is a marine pilot. He flies F-18s. He like lands on aircraft carriers. He's one of the coolest people I know. Um, he married my sister who used to be an officer on a Navy submarine. So like, they're cool, okay, they're cool. But um, he came home today. I think, we think. We haven't actually seen any proof yet or like heard his voice, but we're assuming no news is good news. He's been gone since April, um, and their daughter was born in October. So he has yet to meet his now four-and-a-half-month-old daughter, but they met today. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Um, we're excited. We're going out for the baptism at the end of March, and it's going to be awesome. Um, so that's the first story. Second story, um, I think, I don't know if this is an accurate statement, but I'm going to be bold, and you can sway statistics any way you want to sway statistics. So I'd say that 100% of people who prepare for a talk end up giving that talk because it's something that the Lord wanted to do in their life. I don't know if that's accurate, but I could be wrong. Um, but it's true for me. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I realized oh, Lord, I've been keeping you at arm's distance because I'm, I'm mad at you, I'm frustrated, and I'm sad, and I'm kind of sick of it all. And I don't want to talk to you about it because you know where I'm at. And I was going back, between, back and forth between being a 3-year-old and then a 13-year-old about my life. Um, and realized through a lot of grace uh, that the answer that I was looking for wasn't outside of the Lord and... Actually, I needed to get over myself a little bit and sit down and pray because the answer that I was looking for, the fulfillment, the peace I was looking for is not outside of the Lord. Um, so this, like, two-by-four of grace came, like, the Tuesday uh, before Ash Wednesday. And then, like, later that week was asked to give this talk, which is, like, an intro to the emotions course and humility. And so on Saturday, I was, like, talking with my pastoral leader. We, like, went out for coffee, and she was asking me, what's, you know, what's God been doing lately? So I was, you know, recounting all of this. And also it came up that I'm giving the talk today um, about emotions. And, she was, and as I was, like, verbally processing all of this with her, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. Like, the Lord knew. And, like, I... You know, he, like, was doing this work in my life, and then I started, like, diving into the content, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, this is, like, putting words and, like, giving me words for everything that the Lord, the work the Lord just did in my life. So, um, intro to emotions course. Uh, great. The point of all this, the point of tonight, the point of why we're doing an emotions course is that God intends to transform us so that our emotions instinctively support us in righteous living. Um, kind of like, Mike, I love that image Michael was talking about because um, I thought I turned it off. Uh, I was actually thinking of the same thing, um, of like being in a car, and I think a lot of times in the world, a lot of times maybe in community, a lot of times in our own life, we can see that uh, emotions have been in the driver's seat, and they've been, uh, we've been acting out of them as opposed to 
you know, letting our thoughts and our will and our intellect be a part of the, the conversation. So um, the Lord wants to transform how we view emotions, the way we relate to them, so that it can just become natural for us to respond um, correctly in, in given situations. So, um, <laughs> We're going to start and end the night with humility. Okay? That sounds good? Good. Because, uh, I mean, Michael already kind of started us there, but we don't have all the answers. We aren't as far along as we think we are. We don't know as much as we think we know about emotions. Even, like, humanity doesn't know, you know, but also, like, on a very micro level, I don't know all that I think I do about my emotions. And... Uh, it's actually a lot of freedom to come into a place of, of that. Of Actually, I have things to learn. I don't have it all, and that's okay. Like, the Lord has done work in my life, and he's taught me things, um, but I don't have it all. Um, and that's really freeing um, to come to a place of, of truth in that. And I think, um, in my mind, I like to see humility and truth kind of, they're almost interchangeable in a lot of ways, um, whereas, like, We'll get to this later, but a little preview. Um, humility is the road in between false humility and pride. Okay, so like we're walking down the road of humility where uh, oh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm going to share it now because it fits better now. Um, I've been reading Chronicles of Narnia, and in Prince Caspian, Aslan asks Prince Caspian, like, hey, are you ready to be king? And um, in the course of conversation, Caspian's like, Ah, well, they're human, these guys over here, and I was hoping I'd be, like, from better lineage than that. And Aslan says to him, you came of the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve, and that is both honor enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. Be content. Um, so it's kind of that common line of, well, God, you are God, and I am not, and I'm going to, like, live in that, where I know that I'm a sinner, but also... I'm a son and daughter of the king. So it's not thinking like, oh, I'm terrible, I can't do anything. But it's also not like, ah, oh, I got it all figured out. I don't need anyone to tell me anything, right? This is where we want to operate, okay? Can we be here when we enter into talking about emotions? And not like, oh, I don't have any emotions. I don't need any help at all. And not like, oh, my emotions overwhelm me. And I don't, okay, we're like, we're going to try and move to here, okay? Great. Okay, moving on. What are emotions? We all feel them, right, in some degree of them. And whether we express them or not, some tend to be pleasant. Some are not. Some are kind of subtle, hidden in the background. Some are overwhelming. Um, so so what? So what are they? Um, so I kind of hit on this earlier, but they're, they're not the intellect. They're not our thoughts, right? And they're also not our will. They're not the area um, inside of us where choices are made. Um, but it's also, it's not like, oh, this, this right here is where sadness lives in my body. Like, the inside out, if you've ever seen it, where that's like, all the emotions, like, whatever. It's like, not quite, there's not just like sadness in my brain right here, right? Our emotions like affect our body. There's like physical effects that happen. Like, ah, I'm scared. My like, heart rate's up. I'm sweating a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Okay but there's not a place it lives. Also, side note about inside out, 
Emotions are in the driver's seat. That's not what we want. But there is some goodness in the movie, so we won't completely throw it under the bus. Um, I had thought a lot about that movie this week, and it was getting very fired up about it. Like, why do they let? It's fine. Um, OK, the catechism. Catechism 1763. Feelings or passions are emotions or movements of the sensitive appetite that incline us to act or not to act in regard to something felt or imagined to be good or evil. So, uh, right, we see something or we think something, we assess a situation, and then as a result of that, feelings, emotions kind of get stirred up in there and then uh, can kind of help color the situation, if that makes sense. So. Um, they can like lead us to like acting. Well, like they do lead us acting, and they can either act, lead us to act in a good way or not a good way. Uh, for example, um, my sister and brother-in-law, the ones I mentioned earlier, uh, have a jeep, and they love to go off-roading. And we were out there uh, in California, that's where they live. And my sister was driving, and we, the three of us, Mitch, Scott, my brother-in-law, and I, were standing in the back of the jeep coming down this mountain, I was like, yeah, I'm having fun. They're like, I don't even know if you guys were holding on or not. Anyway, we're coming around this hairpin turn. I had to slow down a little bit, but like music's still going, wind's still in the air, and all of a sudden we hear, is there air coming out of the tires? No, there's a rattlesnake curled up. Not happy, probably, you know? So it's like, okay, assess the situation. There's a snake. Hmm, that's dangerous. I now feel afraid, and it's moving me to action, or my sister. My action was like, I didn't even know there was a snake happening until later, but uh, the action was, we're going to keep driving. We're not going to stop here, uh, right? So like that emotion led to the action. Um, but sometimes people play, like to play tricks with fake snakes, and you walk in and you see a snake right there, and that still that reaction still wells up inside of you, right? Like, ah, snake, danger, I'm going to run away, right? And a lot of these things happen pretty quickly, so sometimes it's hard to, like, be able to stop yourself, especially when it's, like, a snake, and calm down. But it's not actually a real danger, right? So silly example, but I think we can apply it other, where, where, other times where we see that just because we perceive a situation to be a certain way, or maybe it's all just in our minds where we think like, we just think ourselves into these spots of like, oh, this is dangerous, or like, oh, this is bad, or oh, this is whatever. It might not actually be, but we perceive it to be, and so the emotions follow, right? Emotions are natural followers. And so it's kind of a good thing to not let them be in the driver's seat because Maybe there is real danger, maybe there's not, but that's where reason and intellect and then like the will making a choice comes into play. Are you tracking with me? Great. Good job tracking. Um, I'm going to move ahead a little bit because we already kind of hit on what we see in terms of the way the world loves emotions. And I think we see can see a lot um, of how emotions have just stepped into the driver's seat of our world in a lot of ways. Um, but to be a little bit more specific, emotions have stepped in and become the drivers of how we view relationships. And I would like to challenge you of like, oh, not me, Laura. Okay, maybe, let's be humble here. 
In your small group, do you meet up with people outside of small group? Yes, no, maybe, okay, hopefully yes. Do you meet up with everyone? Or do you just meet up with the people that make you feel good about yourself? Or the people that you feel good being around, right? So it's letting emotions impact relationship. And not saying that emotions won't impact relationship, not saying, yeah, don't be friends with people you naturally click with, right? But there's something, there's a deeper level of commitment, a more objective uh, reality that we can base our actions on. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, we see emotions becoming the prior, like the main criteria for how we make decisions, right? Whether it's, oh, what am I going to do this summer? What am I going to do after graduation? Am I going to date this girl? I'm going to enter religious life. Uh, how do I feel about it, right? And I think, again, hear me correctly, it's not that emotions shouldn't be part of the situation, part of the decision-making process, because the Lord's given to them to us, and they are good, but are they in the driver's seat? Are they the main reason why you're making the choice that you are making? Or have you decided, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and I want to serve him. And that's going to be the defining characteristic of how I make my choices, right? And emotions follow. Emotions are like, okay, yeah, actually, I'm excited about this. It's good to be excited about the things that the Lord's placed in front of you, right? Um, but not the driver. Um, quick note, also, let's not let emotions be in the driver's seat of what we believe and how we view the Lord, right? I, prayer, how we evaluate, like, oh, how was the prayer meeting? How was worship for you? Oh, I felt the Lord's presence. It was good. And, like, that's why it was good. I'm not saying feeling the Lord's presence isn't good. I'm not saying that is not a huge gift that the Lord, and blessing that the Lord gives us, but... When we come to worship him, we are giving him what he is due, right? We're giving him thanks and praise and honor, and fundamentally, it is good. Regardless of my emotions, regardless of how I feel or if I felt his presence, that's like bonus, right? We can show up to a prayer meeting. We can be exhausted. We can be in the worst mood, whatever. We can set that aside and say, actually, Lord, I'm still going to worship you because you are due that. I'm still going to show up to prayer, regardless of if I'm mad at you or frustrated or sad. I'm going to show up and sit my butt in the chair, Lord, and I'm going to tell you how sad I am. But I'm showing up because my emotions are not in the driver's seat. Yeah. <laughs> I only get a little fired up about this. Um, okay. I'm going to lay out some approaches to emotions that some people take. They are problematic. I want you, as I'm talking about them, some give some visual of like, oh yeah, I see how that's problematic. Oh yeah, I see, okay? Feedback is helpful here. Um, okay, so emotions as master and feelings as enemies. Those both come from Aquinas. Um, he talks pretty extensively about uh, the emotions. I forget what work. I'm assuming it's the Summa, but it's just because it's really big. Um, I feel like that's a safe assumption. Sorry, St. Thomas, if it's not. Forgive me. Okay. Um, 
emotions as master. We treat our emotions as fact, and the way that we deal with our emotions is we follow them. Right? So it's kind of the driftwood effect of like we're just going along and taking whatever emotions come that day and riding with them. So it's like I wake up and I'm feeling angry because of something that Mitch did in my dream last night and I act out of that. That's probably not helpful. I probably shouldn't do that, right? Because that's, he didn't actually do anything and also I shouldn't act out of anger anyway, not even like imaginary anger. One time I did actually wake up and I had, to, I had to forgive him for what he did in my dream last night. Not because he actually like did anything, but it's like I need to like reset myself a little bit. And forgiveness is the only way I know how to do that. So uh, there we go. Um, or emotions as master, we just become obsessed with them, become introspective. We just are always analyzing, how am I feeling? What am I doing? What's the root of this, right? Some is good, Some like introspection is good, and we need that because it's helpful to know where we are, right? To kind of like keep tabs on ourselves to be able to, oh, I feel angry. Where do I feel angry about this? I don't even know why I feel angry, but to bring that to him, right? That's like good. Where it becomes problematic is when it, we just turn inward, and it actually inhibits our ability to give our lives to others and to be outward focused. Do those seem problematic to you? Great. Good job. <laughs> okay, so that's kind of like, oh, we love emotions. Oh, wait, what side were we on? We love emotions. We overrelate to emotions, right? Emotions as master. Over here, probably is going to be a little bit more of like emotions as enemies, where it's like, I don't need that. I don't feel that. I'm just going to like press it down and keep pressing it down. And no one's going to know that I feel all these things or have these emotions. Right? I want you to imagine me pressing down a buoy in the water. What's going to happen? Yeah, it's going to like shoot up and cause a way bigger thing. And it's probably going to smack you in the face and it'll hurt. Do you see how that's problematic? Yeah. All right. Okay, also over here can live the like, I'm not gonna feel this emotion right now. Like, I live the kind of like stern disciplinarian and like, I'm gonna act this way and this is how, like, this is a sad thing, so I'm gonna act sad. And that seems like robots and that's not freedom and that's not what we're called to as humans. So it's problematic. Thank you guys for the feedback. You know what I forgot to do? Start this timer. You know what? I texted my small group and I was like, guys, does anyone have a watch I can use? And good old Cassie was like, yeah. And she even showed me how to use it. And we're going to admit just giving me the wrap it up. Too long of a story. Okay, wrap it up. Sorry, team. Um, okay. Help me. Okay. Um, quick note on, okay, so we like see emotions in the modern world. Let's take a glimpse at emotions in biblical, biblical times. They relatively didn't relate to emotions the way we did. Even words that we see in scripture now that we associate with emotions didn't necessarily like have the same connotation as we have today. So even like peace. When we think of peace, a lot of times what comes to mind is feelings of calmness, tranquility, right? The reality of peace in the Bible, shalom, comes from 
the objective reality of being in right relationship, particularly with the Lord, right? So, like, if I'm in right relationship with the Lord, then there's, that's the objective reality of shalom, of peace, right? And a lot of times the feelings, the, like, feelings of calmness and stuff will come along with it, but, like, it's not the defining characteristic, the defining factor. All right. So what do we do as Christians? And I say it again. God intends to transform us so that our emotions instinctively support us in righteous living. Emotions are supportive. Um, they are followers. They move in collaboration, and are, they are accountable to the intellect and the will. So, for example... Um, this might be an example for later. We're going to throw it in now, and if it applies later, you can think about it and remember it. Uh, I think Mitch and I shared on the formation retreat that um, we have four kids in heaven, and grief hits when it hits. Um, it is good to grieve, right? Um, but the reality is we live in a world where a lot of wonderful things happen, and some of those things include some of our dearest friends, getting pregnant and having kids. And that is a great thing. That is a great thing to rejoice over. That's hard. That's hard, right? But I can choose to step into joy. I can choose not ignoring grief, not ignoring sadness, but actually... I can set that aside for just a minute and rejoice with you when you share this news with me, right? Those things are still real. We're not ignoring them. We're not suppressing them. We're going to take them to the Lord later in prayer and say, Lord, that was hard. Thank you so much for the gift of their kid's life. But like, oh, that's hard, right? Okay, so emotions are supportive of uh, our intellect and our will and like subject to them. Like they... They're not in the driver's seat. Okay. Um, they support us in righteous living. So um, hmm, that's where I was going to share that example. So here we go. Okay. Um, something I want to highlight of that catechism clip is like the middle line. So passions are morally good when they contribute to good action and evil in the opposite case. So emotions of themselves are like basic, you know, on a basic level are good because they are from the Lord and they, he's given them to us to draw him close, us closer to himself. They become morally good or evil based on the action that they move us to, right? So anger is good when it drives us to make a change, to work for justice, you know, whatever, to right a wrong in a situation. Anger becomes morally evil when, we, when it leads us to destructive, violent behavior, you know, whatever you know enough examples of things, those kind of things. I don't need to get into that. Okay. Um, and they're there, okay, so they're there to instinct support us on like an instinctive level. So the ultimate goal here is transformation of our emotions, right? Because of the fall, they've been twisted. There's distortion there. Um, we don't always feel the way we should in any given situation. Uh, but 
The Lord wants to bring healing there. He wants to bring transformation, and he wants to bring our emotions into right order. So what does that look like? That looks like turning to him. That looks like taking a breath, uh, taking a step back whenever we're in a situation where like, oh, I feel angry about this. Okay, I'm going to step back. Lord, I feel angry about this. Either change my heart, purify my emotions, or show me how to act rightly in this. Um, and the ultimate goal, brothers and sisters, is that that becomes instinctive for us. We're actually we practice and like train how to choose the good every time to the point where that just becomes what's natural. That becomes instinct for us, right? It's not right now. There's a lot of ways it is, right? We're, we're in the already but not yet, you know, in terms of emotions where the Lord actually has done a lot in you, even though you haven't gone through the emotions course. Praise the Lord. He wants to do more, right? And I hope my life is an example that, like, the Lord is still going to be doing work after college and for the rest of our lives. This is a long-term project, brothers and sisters. Um, so we focus on him and his power, his power to transform. That happens in prayer. That happens in um, turning to him through our brothers and sisters and our small group, our pastoral leader, right? Um, remembering that he actually has the power to transform us and to change our life. Uh, we, how else does this change come about? Um, through self-gift, particularly through healthy, committed personal relationships. Um, also, in these relationships, know that you're in relationship with people who are also in the like already but not yet right? It's messy. It's hard. And like forgiveness is going to need to be your best friend throughout all of this, right? Because we're not going to get it right every time. We're not going to get it right the first time every time. It's going to need to take, hey, sorry, husband. I would let my emotions take over. And I actually like took it out on you then. I'm sorry, do you forgive me? And to hear him say the words, I forgive you, because we're called to forgiveness. We're not called to like, it's okay, I'm going to dismiss it. That's another soapbox for another time. Um, okay. Um, first thing, right? Do the, first, the right thing every, first every time. There we go. Um, call sin, sin. If it's a sin, don't say, oh, I have a problem with anger. Like, no, I fell into sin. And go to confession. You know? Good. Call sin, sin. It's helpful because then it's not like, oh, I have a problem. I need to get better. It's like, actually, like, Lord, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. And he provides grace and timely help to do that. Um, and then we work on how to bring your emotions into right order. Okay. And live in daily awareness of his merciful love. All right. Remember how I said we're going to start with humility and end with humility? Yeah. Thank you. Masks muffle your mm-hmms, so forgive my ears. Um, okay, so in order to do this, uh, we need humility because the Lord's done some things in our life, right? He's brought about these works, but not everything yet. So... Coming to this in a place of humility of, whew, okay, I don't have all the answers. Hmm, 
okay. I don't know the right way to do this all the time. Hmm, okay, maybe actually their idea is better than my idea. Hmm, okay, maybe I, I do need help in this. Um, it's gonna be the way that we progress in the Christian life, particularly in this area of bringing our emotions under the Lordship of Jesus. Um, okay. Again, just to make sure we're clear on this, we have humility, right, which is living in the truth of God is God, I am not. I'm a sinner, but I'm also his son or daughter. And then we have false humility, which I think uh, when the pendulum sw swings this way, I think it can be hard a lot of times as Christians because um, especially like in the medieval, kind of post-medieval times, there were a lot of Christian teachers who like well-intentionally started talking about humility as having a low opinion of oneself. And it's actually not scriptural. It's not biblical. It was like coming from a good place, but maybe not the most helpful way for us to view humility. Um, instead, I'd like to uh, describe, I think Peter Kreef does a, a great job with this. He describes humility as not as thinking less of oneself, but actually just thinking of oneself less. Right, where it's not like, oh, I'm, I can't believe I did that. I'm putting myself down and like, oh, see how terrible I am. I can't, you know, like I, I could never do anything. Like, no, that's not true. You're a son or daughter of the Most High God who's given, he's given gifts and he's equipped and he is sending on mission, right? Um, but also we can swing too far the other way of saying like, I don't need the Lord. The Lord he's given me, I, I can just like go on my own, right? We need to remember, okay, actually I don't, I don't have everything. We're okay with the pendulum? Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, great. <laughs> this is a whole outline about humility, but we pretty much just summed it up right there. Sweet. Okay. Um, I'm just going to wrap this up with a few practicals of how do we, how do we grow in humility? Okay. I might be wrong. I might not have all the answers. I, in fact, I don't have all the answers. But these are some things that I think will be helpful for us. Uh, okay. First, we need to recognize that we have a problem. We need to recognize that however close we are to the middle, we're probably not there. We need some help. Okay? Um, so... After recognizing, repenting for the way that we've either swung too far this way or too far this way. So it's, Lord, I'm sorry that I thought I could do this on my own. Or it's, Lord, I'm sorry that I didn't think I could do anything good. You've made me better than that. Right? So it's repenting um, of whichever notions we've uh, claimed as our own for lack of a better word. Um, I think the next step is forgiveness. Forgiveness of the people who maybe had influence um, in leading us one way or another, whether that was, you know, someone who said something about you that was rude and mean and terrible, but led you to believe, actually, I can't do anything, right? Or people who maybe led you the other way, of like, oh, you don't need them. You don't need that, right? And I don't think forgiveness needs to, all the time be like a, hey, person from third grade 
who like said this thing about me. I'm going to like find you on Facebook and call you and say, I forgive you for what you said to me on the playground that day, right? That's just like not, that's not practical. But what you can do is take time in prayer and say, Lord, I forgive that person in third grade for the thing they said to me on the playground. And I, I release all hold. Anything that I think they owe me, I actually forgive that debt. Right, or the other way. We see that too. Um, also, don't let that be an excuse. Maybe it actually is go talk to somebody. So there, I said it. Uh, okay, repent and forgiveness. Those are two huge keys that unlock the door for the Lord to work in our life. Um, in general, but also for growing in humility. Uh, and then we need to proceed out of truth. So that a lot of times we'll first, the first step of that is kind of casting out some lies maybe that we've believed, whether it's you know one end of the spectrum or the other, and then proclaiming truth that actually, okay, I am a daughter of the Most High who can do these things. I still need help. But Lord, I trust that you have led me here to do this thing. Okay. Repent, forgive, cast out lies, proclaim truth, and then just and then move forward, right? And then trust in the Lord and, and receive the grace that He's giving, receive the help that He's going to be giving through our brothers and sisters, whether that's okay, person in authority over me. I'm gonna trust that the Lord's working through you right now, and I'm actually just gonna listen to what you have to say. Um because we don't have all the answers. Maybe your idea is good, but maybe it's actually better for you to just listen. Um, one last helpful thing. There's like some scripture. <laughs> you don't have this outline. I didn't give this one to you. Sorry. Um, it's fine. There's lots of scripture about humility. You should look them up. Um, <laughs> another incredibly helpful phrase is... I might be wrong, but that is an incredibly humble way to approach most things in life, I'd say. Because um, you might have a stellar idea, but recognizing that you don't see the full picture of what, you might not see the full picture of what's going on uh, is huge and a huge way to grow in humility. So I think one maybe helpful little like visual um, and then then we'll be done. But, um, okay, humility, seeing things as they are, right? Seeing things in the truth. I am who I am. I'm not who I'm not, right? False humility, I think we'll put on blinders like this of like, oh, I can't, you know, like I can't do anything, just turning inward like this. And then pride on the other side would, I think, have blinders more like this. And it's like my way or the highway, you know, kind of thing. Um, let's see the whole picture. Let's move to see the whole picture. Let's be quick um, to help each other in this, mercifully, of course. But let's call each other on. That's why we're here. That's why uh, we're doing this, is that so we can grow together to the Lord, to come to a place of... We don't have it all, Lord, but you do, and we want to follow you together. So um, my encouragement for you moving forward, uh, my words here tonight, I know, are not going to be the answer, right? I know that. And I know that while the Lord did work tonight, he's not done yet. 
And so my challenge for you is to hold on to this outline. I don't want to see any outlines on the floor when we leave. And even if it's, you don't actually look at the words on it, but you have it as a reminder of like, I need to pray about emotions and how do I view emotions? Are they in my driver's seat? Or do I ignore them completely? You know, where am I at with that? Where am I at with humility? How far one way or the other? Or am I, I think I might actually be getting kind of close. You know, where am I at? So in the next week before your next small group, Take a chunk, a chunk means like a good amount of time of your prayer time one day to bring these things to the Lord and to talk to him with the, about them first, okay? Next thing, bring them to your small group. If you have questions about anything I said, if you have questions about what you've prayed about after this, if you have convictions or of, hey, team, I need help with this. I don't view my emotions rightly. I have trouble with this one emotion. I need help with this. Bring that to your small group and then know that your pastoral leader is there with you too. And that's a great place because moving forward from here, so we've kind of did intro to the course. We've talked about humility. We really only have two more formation nights where we'll be talking about emotions. There's a whole like world of emotion. We won't be able to get them all, right? But we can have tools, we can have principles, we can have a right disposition and orientation and like, so that, okay, maybe we won't talk about guilt, but we've talked about emotions in general, we've talked about anger or fear, we've talked about some of these things that actually I, I can take what I've learned and apply them and bring that to my small group and say, okay, can you guys help me? How do I bring these things over to talk about this emotion that's actually kind of taken over and I don't want it to anymore, right? So the work of this, the transformation is going to be a lot of ways slow and messy growth. Think of like a garden. Things don't shoot up overnight. You might see growth overnight, but like to, for, for it to come to full size and for fruition, it takes time and that's okay because it bears fruit and it's still good. So my challenge for you is to wrestle with these things and take them to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay. Thank you, guys.